In the year of 539 BC, Cyrus the Great conquered Babylon in Isaiah 45. Cyrus would have received a message from God ordering him to send back to Judea all Jews captive in that city, and in 537 BC, he was authorized the Jews to return to Judea, ending the period of Babylonian captivity, fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah 25-12. 12 And it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. Daniel did not return to Judea, he stayed in Babylon, and God gave him one last vision linked to what had already happened and what will happen. Daniel 12. 1, 2, 1 At that time Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Two multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This part refers to the second coming of Jesus when he will judge the world on doomsday. Daniel 12-7-7 The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. Daniel 12:10-10 Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. This is very important because many will be seduced by the Antichrist, who will offer everything to corrupt people, and those who doubt God's words will get lost and make a covenant with him, then it will be too late to repent. Daniel 12:11-12:11 From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1290 days. 12 Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1335 days. The prophecy requires that after the time when the daily sacrifice is abolished, the counting of the two periods begins. This initial date should also be associated with the first advances for establishing the abomination of desolation. According to the story, the only date that meets these requirements is AD 632. With Muhammad's death in AD 632 and the establishment of the Islamic Caliphate, history records the beginning of the attacks of the Arab people against Jerusalem. The Islamic invasion of Jerusalem, by force and violence, was an act considered in the book of Daniel and by the Jews as an abomination of desolation. Years later, at the same spot where Solomon's temple was, the Muslim mosque of Umar was built, better known as the Dome of the Rock, a landmark of identification of the Islamic faith. Therefore, the date of AD 632 is the basis for calculating the counting of the two prophetic periods. First prophetic period. Add 632 plus 1290 equals 1922 on July 24, 1922, the Balfour Declaration, promulgated by Great Britain, was formalized by the League of Nations, UN predecessor, which recommended the establishment of a Jewish national home in Palestine the land of Israel. Fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel 38, second prophetic period, Add 632 plus 1335 equals 1967 In June 1967, the world witnessed the Six-Day War, when the city of Jerusalem returned to the people of Israel after its destruction in AD 70. According to the prophecies recorded in the book of Daniel, Jerusalem would suffer three attacks from its enemies. 
1. In the year AD 70, Jerusalem was taken and the Temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by Roman troops commanded by Titus, Daniel 9.26. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24.15 gave the warning to his disciples about the imminence of the fulfillment of this event. 2. In the years 168-165 BC, Jerusalem was devastated and the earth sanctuary desecrated by the troops of Antiochus Epiphanes IV, Daniel 8.13. 3. In the year AD 632, with the establishment of the Islamic Caliphate, Muhammad's successors began their attacks on Palestine, Daniel 12:11. Around 478 BC in Persia, in the city of Susa, Esther's parents died when she was still a child, and her cousin Mordecai raised her. Ahasuerus, identified as Xerxes I, king of Persia, had a palace in the city of Susa, and Mordecai was one of his servants. One day, the king's wife, the queen Vashti, did not obey him, and the king chose a new wife as queen. He chose Esther. Haman, the king's right-hand man, wanted Mordecai to bow down to him, and as he refused to do it, Haman told the king lies about the Israelites. They are bad people, who do not obey the laws, he said. They must be killed. Ahasuerus didn't know that his wife Esther was an Israelite. So he listened to Haman and made a law for the Israelites to be killed on a specific day. Mordecai, upon learning of this law, was very disturbed. So he listened to Haman and made a law for the Israelites to be killed on a specific day. Mordecai, upon learning of this law, was very disturbed. He sent a message to Esther, you need to intercede with the king and ask him to save us. In Persia, it was against the law to talk to the king without being invited. But Esther shows up to the king unsummoned. Before that, she asked all the Israelites to fast for three days and pray that God would touch the king's heart. Esther went to him and invited him to a feast in the company of Haman. The king asked what favor Esther wanted from him. She said she would tell him if he and Haman went to another feast the next day. Esther said to the king, My people and I will be killed. The king was angry. And he said, Who dares to do that? She replied, The adversary and enemy are Haman, this wicked man. Haman got shocked because he didn't know the queen was an Israelite, the king left, and he stayed behind and begged Esther for his life, falling upon her in desperation. None of them knew she was an Israelite, the king had Haman hanged, and since he could not change the decree, he wrote a new one saying that all the Israelites prepared and fought against the soldiers, and God's people won the battle. And the king appointed Mordecai as second in power. Years later, Jerusalem was being rebuilt, but the people were very poor, so Ezra, who lived in Babylon, went to King Artaxerxes I, in 457 BC, and he wrote the decree giving much wealth to the people. At this point, the people had already returned to the kingdom of Judah in 538 BC. After the decree of Cyrus the great king of Persia, due to their enemies, the temple took many years to rebuild. A while later, Nehemiah arose and helped to rebuild the walls of the city in difficult times, as Daniel's prophecy said. During the reconstruction, they were attacked by enemies. Note. The time between the last part of the Old Testament and the appearance of Christ is known as the intertestamentary period or between the testaments. Because there was no prophetic word from God during this period, some call it 400 years of silence. The last prophet of the Old Testament was Malachi, and his book was written between 430 and 420 BC while the first book of the New Testament, that is that of Matthew, was written around the year 60 AD. 
In the year 336 BC, as God prophesied to Daniel, Alexander the Great defeated the kingdom of Persia and conquered all territories. Alexander was the greatest warrior. He defeated all his enemies and conquered all the lands until he reached India. He demanded that Greek culture be promoted throughout the conquered territory. As a result, the Hebrew Old Testament was translated into Greek, doing the translation known as the Septuagint. Alexander allowed religious freedom to Jews, despite vigorously promoting Greek lifestyles. This was not a good direction of events for Israel since Greek culture was a threat to Israel because it was very idolatrous and did not please God. Alexander's death was so sudden that when reports of his death reached Greece, they were not immediately believed. He died of malaria in 323 BC. Alexander had no apparent or legitimate heir, so his kingdom was divided between four generals, who fought for 40 years until the kingdom was divided by the Ptolemaic in Egypt, the Seleucids in Mesopotamia and Central Asia, the Atalid Anatolia and the Antigonid Macedon. The Ptolemaic took over the kingdom of Judah from 323 to 198 BC. From 198 to 166 BC, the Seleucids' rule tried to eradicate Judaism in favor of the Hellenistic religion. This provoked the 174 to 135 BC Maccabean revolt led by Judas Maccabeus, whose victory is celebrated in the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. Judas' descendants, the Hasmoneans, continually extended their control over much of the region in 166-63 BC. In the year of 63 BC, the Roman general Pompey conquered Jerusalem, and the Kingdom of Judah was attached to the Roman Republic, which will later change to the name of Judea. The area has been governed by various civilizations over time, such as the ancient Egyptians, Canaanites, Israelites, Assyrians, Babylonians, Medes and Persians, ancient Greeks, Romans, Parthians, Sasanians, Byzantines, the Arab Rashidun, Umayyad, Abbasid, and Fatimid Caliphates, Crusaders, Ayyubids, Mamluks, Mongols, Ottomans, the British, and contemporary Israelites. Over the course of history, this region has been identified by various names, beginning with Canaan. Following Joshua's conquest of the land, the common biblical reference for the territories settled by the Israelites was, from Dan to Beersheba. Subsequently, after the division of the twelve tribes, the ten northern tribes adopted the name Kingdom of Israel, while the remaining two tribes became known as the Kingdom of Judah. This nomenclature persisted during the Babylonian rule, with the Persians designating it as the Yehud province, the Greeks as the Hasmonean kingdom, and the Romans as the Herodian kingdom and the Judea province. The Bar Kokhba revolt, which occurred from 132 to 136 AD, resulted in the devastation of Judea's countryside, causing numerous casualties, displacements, and enslavements. Jerusalem was reconstructed as a Roman colony named Aelia Capitolina, and Emperor Hadrian renamed the province of Judea to Syria Palestina. Determined to eliminate Judaism from the region, Hadrian's actions align with the prophecy in Ezekiel 38, wherein God foretells the dispersal of the Jews worldwide but promises to bring them back to their land on the same day. In 1917 the Ottomans are defeated at the Battle of Jerusalem during the First World War and the British Mandate was established, and finally this prophecy was also fulfilled on May 14, 1948, with the creation of the State of Israel. In circa 390, Syria-Palestina was reorganized into several administrative units, Palestina Prima, Secunda, and Tertia. Only in November 2012, 
the status of Palestinian delegation in the United Nations was upgraded to non-member observer state as the state of Palestine. Note. It demonstrates God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promises, as seen in Genesis, where he pledged the land to the descendants of Abraham through Isaac, not Ishmael. This signifies that the land belongs to the Jews, regardless of people's preferences. While some may contest this truth, God's clarity in his word asserts that humans cannot place themselves above him. The doors he opens remain unshut by anyone, and the doors he closes are beyond human power to reopen. While Rome was still a republic, Julius Caesar became the consul of Rome on account of an agreement between General Pompey the Great and Crassus. This agreement lasted for a while until they decided to remove Julius Caesar from power, so he decided to go on a military campaign and conquer the rest of the tribes, which would be the other countries of Europe. The Senate declared him an enemy of the Republic and put Pompey in his place. Ten years later Julius Caesar conquered all of present-day Europe except for Britain, England. When he decided to return, Pompey fled to Greece, to organize his troops and went to Egypt to ask Ptolemy for help but he was already at a civil war with his sister Cleopatra, he decided to cut off Pompey's head to gift it to Julius Caesar, but when he arrived in Egypt and saw Pompey's head on a tray, he got disgusted, Ptolemy used it as a leverage and commanded Julius to help him in his civil war against his sister, because his enemy was already dead. Julius Caesar denied it, and got arrested in the palace, Cleopatra decided to enter the palace wrapped in a carpet and also asked Julius Caesar for help, he decided to fight the war and helped her defeat her brother, she became queen of Egypt. Meanwhile, Mark Antony, his faithful general, was taking care of Rome. Julius Caesar returned to Rome and declared himself an eternal dictator, the Senate did not like this at all, and they started to plot against him. Cleopatra became pregnant with Julius Caesar and gave him a son named Caesarion. Julius Caesar made many reforms in Rome and put the city on another level. Gaius Cassius and Marcus Brutus planned the murder of Julius Caesar in 44 BC. The senators killed him with 35 stab wounds. After the murder, Mark Antony made an alliance with Caesar's great-nephew and adopted son, Gaius Octavian. Together they defeated the enemies in 42 BC, but years later, they ended up fighting each other. When the Octavian invaded Egypt, Mark Antony ended up committing suicide with his wife Cleopatra in 31 BC. His son with Julius Caesar was murdered two weeks later, Egypt was then attached as a province of the Roman Republic. Gaius Octavian then received the title of Augustus, which means exalted, and in 27 BC, he received absolute power to command all provinces. He became the first emperor of the Roman Empire, as a tribute to his uncle, also adopted the name, Caesar Augustus. In the year 37 BC, the emperor sent the Arab prince Herod the Great as representative of the Roman Empire. He became the king of Judea. He was a mad and paranoid king who killed several members of his own family and some rabbis, but despite this, he built many things in Jerusalem and other cities in Israel. He rebuilt the temple of God in Jerusalem because he was an Idumean, main rival of the Jews in the time of Moses, he got married to a Jewish woman. After all he was afraid of a popular revolt, he built the fortress of Masada to protect himself, he also built the maritime Caesarine, and the Tower of Antonia. It was the base of Roman soldiers, prisoners, among others, etc. One day the angel Gabriel told Mary that she would give birth to the Messiah, and she should name him Jesus. 
The same angel warned Joseph in a dream to accept Mary as a wife because his son was from the Holy Spirit, and she remained a virgin. Joseph was a descendant of King David. They lived in Nazareth, at the same time. His cousin Elizabeth was already pregnant with John the Baptist's son of the priest Zechariah who an angel also warned about the arrival of his son, but as he was already super old, and he doubted, consequently he got mute until John's birth. Mary and Joseph left Nazareth and went to Bethlehem to register for the census of the Roman Empire. When they got there, she gave birth to Jesus, and an angel warned the shepherds of the region to go see him and spread the news. Note. Many people have doubts about the exact date of Jesus' birth, but according to Daniel's prophecy and the Hebrew calendar, not the Roman, the right date would be 4 BC baptized in Ad 26 at the age of 30 and ministered for three and a half years and died and resurrected in Ad 30 at the age of 33. Meanwhile, the three magi from the east were traveling and following a star. According to the prophecies, they were searching for the new king of the Jews. On the way, they stopped at Herod's palace, and they said, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? Herod got furious and said, I am the king of the Jews. So they explained to him about the prophecy, and Herod said, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they found Jesus, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, this was given only to the kings. The Magi were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left back to their country by another path. An angel spoke in a dream with Joseph once again to flee to Egypt. Because when Herod realized that the Magi had outwitted him, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under to make sure Jesus would die. Herod reigned for 37 years, so he probably died around 1 BC. When Jesus' family learned about the news, they returned to Nazareth. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to God. There is not much information about Jesus' childhood. However, in the book of Revelation, John had an insight into the birth of Jesus. Revelation chapter 12 verse 191 A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. Two she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Three then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Four its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Five she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. 6. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. 8. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. The dragon is Satan, and the stars of heaven are the fallen angels that he took with him. Mary fled to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill Jesus, 1260 days equals three and a half years, which was probably the time they stayed in Egypt until they returned to Nazareth. Note. 
Mary presented Jesus to the temple because this is the correct way. A child is not baptized because baptism means purification from sins, and a child has no sins. Only the Roman Catholic Church makes use of this practice. Jesus was baptized at the age of 30, but he did it only to be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God and begin his ministry, and also set an example because he had no sins. Worshipping Mary is idolatry. The Bible teaches that we should only worship and serve God. Only God deserves all glory and honor because only God saves us. No one else deserves our worship. 1 Timothy 2, 5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Mary was a person like us. She was neither perfect nor took away our sins, nor intercede for us. Only Jesus did and did all this. Our hope is only in Jesus, not in Mary. To worship Mary is to raise a woman who is faithful to God but imperfect to the level of God. Mary worshipped God alone, and we must do the same. Even with the devil you can learn something. The devil already knows his end. He knows he will be defeated, but he never gives up. Every day he plays terror, and you know your end, you are the son of God, but you give up every day. The devil believes in God more than anyone else, he talks to God face to face when he has permission, he is sure that God's word will not fail, he knows that everything will go wrong in his life, but every day he stands firm and strong, and do you know why he does that? Because you give up, his goal is not to change his future, but yours, because he wants to take as many people with him to hell as possible teaching false doctrines and twisting God's word to lead people away from God, or even believe he doesn't exist so he can control people's mind. Luke 4-8. 8 Jesus replied, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Luke 11. 27-28. 27 While Jesus said these things, a woman from the crowd called out, Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and nursed you. 28 He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Isaiah 42-8. 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. After the death of Herod the Great, his sons inherited the throne. Antipas was the tetrarch of Galilee and married the wife of his brother Herodiades, mother of Salome. In Judea, Herod Archelaus was already ruling. Still, in AD 7, Augustus took his title and exiled him, so he sent the governors Coppinus A.D. 9, Marcus Ambivulus A.D. 12, Annius Rufus A.D. 13, and in the year A.D. 14, the emperor Augustus died, and his adopted son Tiberius Claudius Nero Caesar, takes power. During this transition, the next Judea's governor was Valerius Gratus, that ruled from A.D. 15 to 26, when Pontius Pilate took over as governor of Judea. During A.D. 6 to 41, the Sanhedrin ruled along with the Roman rulers. The Sanhedrin was an assembly of Jewish judges that constituted the Supreme Court and Legislature of ancient Israel, which included a high priest, at this time was, called Caiaphas, and ruled between AD 18-37. Note. It is important to know the order of governments and emperors because this is part of the history of the Jews and Jesus, after all, it was the Romans who killed Jesus and his followers, and also the war of the Jews against the Romans was constant and remained for many years 
John the Baptist had a mission since he was born. He was chosen to prepare the way for the one who would arrive soon. He preached about the coming of the Messiah, the one that the Jews waited for so many years. He preached and baptized the repentant Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews, causing much controversy because of this. Note. Baptism, or mikvah in Hebrew, is the water immersion ritual used in Judaism. It is usually used to purify women after menstruation and the birth of a child, and is also required of those who convert to Judaism. This is the new covenant that God promised. The old covenant was circumcision. In the past, only the high priest could enter God's presence and offer the Holocaust for our sins. Jesus was our Holocaust. He was the perfect sacrifice so that we could approach God. Baptism is the first step to it. Through the baptism, everyone can repent and purify themselves. The coming of John the Baptist was also prophesied, and Jesus confirmed it. Malachi chapter 4 verse 565c, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. 6. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Matthew chapter 11 verses 13 to 14 13 For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. 14 And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Matthew chapter 17 verses 12 to 13 12 But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. 13 Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. John was baptizing and preaching in the Judea desert at the Jordan River. He and Jesus did not know each other, but when the time came, Jesus went to him and was baptized. John saw the Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove and remain on him. Then heaven opens and a heavenly voice was heard. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John was born before Jesus, but he claimed. John 1 30. 30 This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. This proves once again that Jesus has always existed, but God sent him in a human form to be sacrificed and save us all. Jesus went into the desert to fast for 40 days before starting his ministry, he was tempted by Satan three times. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus chose 12 disciples. They were as a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. They were Simon, who was changed to Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew Nathaniel, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon Zealot, Judas Thaddeus, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Note. There are some similarities between the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, one of them was the betrayal of Judah, who sold Joseph for 20 shekels of silver, and the other brothers agreed. Judas Iscariot sold Jesus for 30 shekels of silver. The other apostles did not agree, although they abandoned him after his arrest. Judah repented and asked for forgiveness. Judas preferred to take his own life than ask for forgiveness. Jesus chose 12 apostles because his plan included the total renewal of Israel. The twelve heads of the tribes of Israel were to be replaced by the twelve Jewish apostles who would lead Israel into a renewed future defined by redemption and repentance.
Matthias later replaced Judas Iscariot. Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding in Cana, turning water into wine. The first miracle of Jesus took place at a wedding because God works through covenants. Genesis begins with a wedding, and Revelation concludes with a wedding. For God, what matters is how much you honor a covenant, that is love for God. Why did Jesus turn water into wine after the wine had already run out and not before? Going against the natural order, the wine he brings is better than the first, and it never ends. He was referring to the old covenant made with Moses, which was the Old Testament. Thus, he was saying, in my covenant, the wine never runs out, and it is better. He could have touched the water and turned it into ice, which would also have been a miracle, but it would still be water because he didn't want to change the form but to change the nature. After the wedding in Cana, Jesus traveled to Capernaum. His mother and half-brothers, James, Jose's, Simon, and Judas, traveled with him. When he got there, he performed more miracles and began to gather many followers. Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem at Passover time. The law of God required the Israelites to make animal sacrifices in the temple, and visitors needed food when they stayed in the city. Thus, the law allows those who travel far away to Jerusalem to bring money to buy, boils, sheep, goats, and other things to use while staying in the city. Therefore, merchants in Jerusalem sold animals and birds in one of the temple courtyards, and some exploited the people by charging very high prices. Jesus spread the money changers' coins very indignant, turned their tables, and kicked out the sellers. Then he said, get these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a trading house. John chapter 2 verse 16 Seeing this, Jesus' disciples remember the prophecy about the Son of God. Zeal for your house will consume me. But the Jews asked, what sign can you show us as proof that you have the authority to do these things? Jesus answers, break down this temple, and I will lift it up in three days. John chapter 2 verses 17 to 19. Psalm chapter 69 verse 9. The Jews thought Jesus was talking about the literal temple, so they said, this temple was built in 46 years, and will you raise it in three days? John 2:20. however, Jesus refers to his body as if it were a temple. His disciples would remember these words three years later, when he was resurrected. In Jerusalem, Jesus talked to Nicodemus, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, and asked, what does it mean to be born again? Can someone enter your mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered, no, being born again doesn't mean that. Unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 5 thus, when he was baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus was born, of water and spirit. At that moment, a statement was heard from heaven. This is my son, the beloved, whom I approve. Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 to 17 in this way, God announced that Jesus had become his spiritual son with the prospect of entering the heavenly kingdom. Later, on the day of Pentecost in AD 33, the people would receive the Holy Spirit and thus be born again as spirit-given children of God. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. Jesus says to Nicodemus, God did not send his son into the world to him might judge the world. This means he was not sent to judge and condemn humans to destruction. Instead, as Jesus said, he was sent, so that the world might be saved through him. John 3:17. Jesus and his disciples went on a trip through Judea. Jesus instructed them to baptize people with water, as John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was arrested by King Herod Antipas. Herodias bore a grudge against John for stating that Herod's marriage to her was unlawful. 
Herodias's daughter, Salome, who had danced before Herod at his birthday celebration, was told she could ask for anything in return. After consulting with her mother, who hated John, she persuaded her daughter, and the girl was said to have asked for the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter, and it was done. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is the Savior of the world. John 4, 7-42. The Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The starting point was, as we saw earlier, the division of the kingdoms and idolatry of the Samaritans. Because of their mixture with other people, the Jews considered that they had no pure blood. The Samaritans built their own temple of worship on Mount Gerizim and had their own priests. They also considered worship in the temple in Jerusalem inappropriate, even claiming that Mount Gerizim was the only correct place of worship designated by God to Moses, instead of Mount Zion. The Samaritans welcomed Jews who broke Jewish laws with open arms. This increased the hatred of the other Jews. Jesus, on the other hand, never approved or encouraged this hatred between Jews and Samaritans. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus also set a Samaritan as an example for the Jews Luke 10, 30-37. When Jesus healed ten lepers, the only one who came back to thank him was a Samaritan. Later, Jesus also rebuked the apostles James and John who wanted to see the destruction of a Samaritan village that showed no hospitality Luke 9 56. Note. There is a scientific study that states that the same part of your brain responsible for anxiety is also responsible for gratitude. This means that you cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. In the Bible, it says that instead of being anxious, we should be thankful Philippians 4, 6. 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth. Everyone was excited to see him preach, so they gave him Isaiah's scrolls. Everyone was amazed at the way he taught when he finished reading the passage. Isaiah 61-121 The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, two to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn then Jesus says. Today, this passage of scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled. Luke 4:21. Those in the synagogue got furious, they got up and dragged Jesus out of the city. They took him to the edge of a cliff, where the town of Nazareth was built and tried to throw him down. But Jesus managed to escape and fled safely. While Jesus continues his teachings and miracles, he meets a leper, 
present-day leprosy. At that time, people with this disease were rejected by everyone, so he approached Jesus and kneeled before him, begging, Lord, if you want, you can purify me. Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the man. He tells him, I want to be purified. Matthew 8, 2-3. Note. We often turn our backs on the sick, beggars, poor, and homeless. But if even Jesus had mercy and compassion on these people, who are we to deny them? Sometimes our arrogance does not let us see what God wants from us. Jesus was in Galilee, and many came to him to hear his preach. There were so many people around him that a cripple tried to approach and could not, so they removed the roof above where Jesus was, and after making an opening, they lowered the stretcher which the paralytic was lying and put him inside the house. Jesus was impressed by that man's faith, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees thought, why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming, who can forgive sins but God? Jesus read the thoughts of those men and said, why are you mulling over these things in your heart? What is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or, get up, take your stretcher and walk. But, for you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, take your stretcher and go home. Mark 2-2-12 Note The only man who had authority on earth to forgive sins was Jesus. He did it through the Holy Spirit of God. If any other man claims to have authority for it, he will be blaspheming against God. If you believe that listening to secular music has nothing to do with it, consider this. The Spirit of God inspires us to compose for him. The psalmist said that God put a new song in my mouth. The devil copies everything God does, and people make pacts with him every day in exchange for fame and success. Have you ever imagined how many successful hits you enjoy were given by the devil himself? The Bible says that when he was created, musical instruments were assigned to him, in other words, the devil has codes of sound. There are beats that invoke entities. Sometimes, these beats are introduced into songs, and people don't even know it. Music can penetrate the soul of a human being because it affects emotions. There is scientific research with more than 40 songs that recently mapped people's brains, showing what each song arouses and provokes in them. Beats evoke different emotions, meaning that what they feel, they end up doing. Music is a very powerful emotional conductor, and you have to have a lot of wisdom in what you're going to listen to and put into your heart. Songs are sung prayers. The Bible says that words have the power to bless or curse. For example, pop singers who sing about suffering, meaning people who cheat and are unloved. Songs about lovers, promiscuity, drunkness, etc. If you like this kind of music, you will attract all of this into your life. For this reason, when you end a relationship and listen to these songs, you become depressed because you attracted more sadness by listening to them. Musical concerts are disguised cults, using the most influential weapon, which is music, to romanticize the devil and everything that goes against the word of God. God does not share his glory with anyone, and humans were not born to be idolized. Our only idol should be Jesus and not a person. Those who know the word of God and access environments where any form of worship is directed to what should not be worshipped are opening legality in the spiritual world for demons to attack their lives, especially in the emotional aspect. The music you listen to, has the power to bring the presence of God into the environment, or bring the presence of Satan and his demons. What kind of spirit are you invoking for your home? Don't be a fan of a celebrity who doesn't even know you. Be a fan of Jesus, who died for you.